This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing very well. Put the fours up. Put the fours up. Fourth <laughs> quarter. Here we are. Free agency day four. Put those fours up. I'm, but I'm doing very well. Some interesting, some some news every night, it seems like, that we get to marinate on throughout the day and then get to talk about a few hours later. How are you doing? How are you doing in the... The, is it the Big Easy? I'm, yeah. I'm, in, the, I'm in the Big Easy. Uh, I'm in New Orleans. It's been great so far. Uh, my my friends rolling in. We had a wonderful afternoon as Very I was nice. eating a po' boy and keeping track of what was going on in the free agency world. What? So shrimp po' boy, shrimp or? and oyster is what I went with. Oh, so oh you went full half. blow. Yeah, it was it Golf. was very very good. So mm-hmm. I I'm starting it off right. We had a fantastic meal yesterday. We'll do I'll do a full New Orleans food recap next week after I'm done. We don't want to do it halfway. Perfect. So uh, just. A quick heads up, uh, not a ton to get to today. So we'll, we'll get through some of these, you know, fairly quickly. We're not going to do any kind of big picture wrap up stuff yet, just because I'm going to save that for early next week into maybe the middle of next week. So kind of some winners and losers, big picture thoughts about free agency. We're going to have plenty of time for that as some more of these signings roll in and the dust clears a little. So today we're just going to kind of pick off, you know, six, eight signings and maybe some conversations about teams and how those signings fit into some plans today, but we've already knocked out most of this. Things are starting to die down. I, th- I think that's kind of the big picture takeaway here is that most of the big dominoes have fallen, and we're going to talk about physically the biggest domino of them all to fall in free agency, and that is Orlando Brown signing with the Cincinnati Bengals, okay? Tom Pelissero had it first from NFL Network. Four years, $64 million, a $31 million signing bonus, Ian Rappaport reports that it's $43 million guaranteed. Seems shockingly low, right? Yeah. I, I don't, I was talking to somebody about the signing and landing in, in Cincinnati this morning. I was picking their brain. It was a coach and asking, why do you think the market was so low? And they're like, I don't know what the market forces were, but I think the only reason Cincinnati was able to be involved, it was because it was this reasonable. They obviously got some big checks coming down the road mm-hmm. here, but now they have a guy who is going to play left tackle for them, locked yep. in for $16 million a year for less yep. guaranteed money than Mike McGlinchey got from the Broncos. Which is really – when you stack it up, your first it's like, oh, $16 million a year, and then you stack it up and look at other tackle contracts, even with the guarantees. It's like, okay, this is – I know he wanted to set the market, and this is well, not even like setting that t- upper tier. This is that kind of next tier down, which it shocked me. I thought somebody would bite, and it looked like no one did. I mean, someone did. The Bengals did, and the other teams were interested, of course. It seemed, you know, I, I trotted out the Khalil Mack trade because the Bengals had space, and I was curious, you know, with their signings. You know, they brought, yeah, they brought Pratt back, and but they kind of kept that space a little, you know, a viable candidate to sign somebody. And I was just very curious who it was, and turned out to be Orlando Brown that they made a stab at. But yeah, it really was. A, I thought the money would be a little bit more, even if I didn't feel like it was justified. This actually is like a little more tolerable uh, for what he is and kind of how the market broke out. I mean, he's making less per year than guys like you know, like Garrett Bowles, like that, even that, some of the right tackles. Less than less per year and less guaranteed than Taylor Moten. Yeah, I mean, and less again, less per year and less guaranteed than Mike McGlinchey. The contract is less than what Cam Robinson got per year. I mean, yeah. it, it. We talked about this in relation to Donovan Smith 
kind of the guys mm-hmm. in that serviceable tier of left yep. tackle contracts where they're getting yep. between 15 and 17 million dollars a year. The the way that I've always described it is the Jake Matthews contract. Like he's yeah. the guy I use as kind of the benchmark for it. Yeah. This comes above in aver- above average to good. Like, you know, that that tier. That's, and this that's, is where it comes in. And yes. I don't know if this was a case of there not being that many teams like we talked about that had a seat at left tackle where they were willing to pay a premium for him, if this is how the league viewed him. I don't know exactly what factors led to this, but yeah. it's definitely a smaller number than I would have anticipated for sure. Absolutely. it's There's a couple of these contracts this, this season out of it, – it just feels like the secondary market, not the DBs, but the second tier market and third tier markets kind of – no one blinked. No one kind of outbid themselves. It really felt like teams were pretty smart about it. And it feels like a lot of those for a premium position like this at tackle and at corner, as we talked about yesterday, is those premium positions second market or the second tier market has kind of solidified. Yeah. Like, nope, this is what we're paying. That's a good point. And it's interesting. I think it's teams have gotten a little bit smarter. It feels like a lot of teams are like, nope, nope, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. It's got to make sense. Yeah, I got a credit. Uh, I, I I like this for the Bengals too. Just speaking from that, I think this is more than fair for what Orlando Brown is. I really do. Um, so yeah, just it was just interesting. I really did think somebody would blink and, and splurge on him like someone like the Broncos did with McGlinchey. Like they they blinked a little bit there, and it feels like somebody did with Orlando Brown. They guess I guess they did not. On the Bengals side of this, I think two things to consider: short term, long term. Short term, he's going to play left tackle for them. I yes. talked with somebody about that this morning. <laughs> He As is, he'll tell you. <laughs> he is going to play left tackle for them. Yeah. So what does that mean with Jonah Williams? I think yeah. the first iteration of the plan is that Jonah Williams will probably play on the right side, but I don't think that is set in stone. I think no. their thought short term here is let's get our best five. Let's yep. figure out who the best five are. Let's go like. through camp. Let's see yep. who that group is that gives us the best chance to win this year. Jonah Williams is on his fifth year option this season so he Mm -hmm. will likely be moving on next year anyway so i think that there's a short-term aspect to this and the long-term aspect is we now have a left tackle for the next several years at reasonable cost control as we have to pay burrow as we have to pay jamar chase all of that yeah i mean look at how they try to hodgepodge their offensive line together even investing those first round picks like jonah or free agency last year lael collins they're trying to find answers they they the, the Bengals, they're going to be coached up. We've talked about that, but it's like they're trying to find answers. And at least this is, this is better than a lot of other answers that could, they could have had. They could have drafted another guy in a whiff. They could have um, had another stopgap and try to figure it out. This is a real, real deal tackle at either side, but going to be left here. They're going to find their best answer. Like you said, their best five. That's, I think, and again, I think teams have gotten a little uh, smarter about that of going, we just got to figure it out. Let's get guys yeah. that are a little versatile that can play both sides and make the, be- make the best five out there. So it made a lot, a lot more sense for the Bengals than I maybe realized going into this process. That, but I just didn't think they would be in that range, and they were. Steelers also reportedly in the mix. That's a team we threw out that potentially could be interested in him just because they did have a seat available where a lot of mm-hmm. teams did not. Bears were not in the mix. Ryan Pohl said during his press conference today that the scheme match is a big deal for Cincinnati. What do you think he means by that as to why Orlando Brown is a better scheme fit in Cincinnati than he would be in Chicago? Well, okay, in the Chicago – We've talked about with Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach, and even with Luke Getze, they like to pref- they prefer zone, uh, zone running scheme. That's what they want to do. One A. If they can't do it, they'll find other answers. Lando Brown is not a zone tackle. <laughs> he Think is about a where power he comes from tackle. In Baltimore, all yes. a lot of gap scheme runs in Baltimore. When he even went to the Raven or when he went to the Chiefs, one of our immediate responses was, "Yeah, does this mean that the Chiefs are shipping to a more gap heavy scheme?" Yes. It took them two years to get there, but a lot more gap scheme runs from Kansas yes. City this year and Cincinnati even though they come 
from a zone-based scheme where Zach Taylor was with the Rams, mm-hmm. the new line that they had last season, we saw them fold in and kind Evolve. of become more of a gap scheme running team. Yes, especially from the gun. It's a lot of a lot of what he did with the Chiefs is going to translate. Yeah. The duo, the counter stuff, counter gap scheme, like you're referring to, that matters. He's a power tackle. He, he's at he's an at you tackle either as a puller. He's he's a even though he's not the greatest athlete, he's he moves well as a puller. That's what he did at Oklahoma. That's what he did with Baltimore. That's what he did with Kansas City. And I bet you the Bengals are going to do that. We've talked about so much with the evolution of the Bengals run scheme, and it's because they had to be they're so spread heavy as far as like. Not a lot of tight ends attached. They're in 11 personnel a lot. So they had to reconfigure their run game. And that's what led to a lot of their success in 2022. And Orlando Brown fits that really well. Like just the duo at you run games and all the stuff that they trap. They like to run trap where he's pulling. This makes a lot more sense for Cincinnati scheme wise than it ever did for Chicago. And that's why I was a little worried when I first I heard that they were interested because that doesn't really fit that well. Adam Johns was talking today about the potential outcome. Everyone cares about this, the, the Bears five offensive linemen, but Braxton Jones sticking on the left side, having Devin Jenkins play left guard, maybe Cody mm-hmm. Whitehair plays center, Nate Davis, yeah, and then picking a right tackle, which I, as things were coming together, I was wondering where Whitehair might play because of Jenkins. I think that made mm-hmm. sense to me, but now you put yourself in a position where you need to find a right tackle in the draft, yes. and that's never really a fun place to be. They may not no. see it that way. They, they may just say, yeah, we'll piece it together. We're two years away yep. anyway. But if you're trying to get answers on your quarterback, I think that there should be some urgency about who's going to play that spot. And there just aren't that many bodies left available in free agency. I, I know that that uh, Darnell Wright from Tennessee, I've talked about him. All right. He's a right tackle. <laughs> I really like him, especially in that early teen slot, number nine. But that, really, once you get outside that kind of top seven of this draft with the quarterbacks and then the kind of, well, whatever you want to make of um, uh, with Davis right now, but with Will Anderson and all that, like then it becomes like, okay, we can quote unquote reach, but I don't think it's that much of a reach. It's two spots, four spots from where those guys are ranked. So I think Darnell Wright would be a great fit, um, but there's other, it makes a little more sense now if they are aiming for a right tackle to maybe build around, maybe that has upside to maybe even move to the left side. Paris Johnson as well from Ohio State is another answer as well. You said Davis, you meant Jalen Carter, just you're, you're mixing up your big, your big Georgia defensive Georgia tackles. Georgia tackles. Do you see me hesitate too? Because I was like, I know this is wrong. Uh, I was like, <laughs> we're, we're, uh, at, Nolan, we're at day Nolan four here, buddy. Nolan Smith, uh, Walker. I don't know. I'll, I'll name all of them except for the guy I'm trying to say. But as anyone that's listened to this show, do that quite often. We're four days in here. We're, 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 the we're getting by. Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. We're getting through. Let's stick in the AFC North here. It's a guy that. I threw his name out when we were doing our Kirkland brand show. Like, all right, yeah. if you're going to shop in a different aisle, he can give you pretty good production. The Browns signed Juan Thornhill, three years, $21 million, according to Tom Pelissero, $14 million guaranteed. I really like it. I do, too. They're the building mo- the spine, man. The moves they're, they're- they've made on defense. So now you have Dalvin Tomlinson that you drop in, Okoronkwo, and now you have Juan Thornhill stepping in for John Johnson at a pretty reasonable price. It's, they need it. You can get behind the pieces that the Browns have on defense right now. And this isn't breaking the bank. I mean, no. this is very, very fair for what Juan Thornhill is. He's a, a a useful guy. He is also if Schwartz, if Jim Schwartz wants to be a little bit more aggressive, he's great as kind of the linchpin guy to like kind of shore up a lot of other things that's happening around him. Um, just really the rebuilding that spine. And this is what they've needed. Anyone that watched the Browns defense get gashed in the run game or anything over the middle of the field, it's like, man, how how do we how do we fix this? Well. 
you invest in a nose tackle and then you get a secondary pass rusher on passing downs, which is also something they've needed for a few years. I know Clowney was there and played well, but again, like we, we talked, talked about, about the this. Other different day. types of player, different type, different type. This guy is a true DPR designated pass rusher as opposed to Clowney, who kind of was balanced, did both. Um, and then Thornhill is a lot more, I would say, a creative, but a creative player when maybe you can get creative with him. You could do a lot with him. And I think that makes sense. It's not going to be as static of a defense. They're going to maybe, there'll be a little bit quarters based still, but he's kind of, Schwartz will reconfigure uh, based on how his, his player skill set, some playmaking at the position. I think that's a better way to put it. But I think Thornhill really, really matches this. I like this. Another great fit. Uh, I really, really like this signing. This is going to be a really forced analogy, but after you made a couple cross-sport ones yesterday that I appreciated, oh. I'm trying to throw my hat in the ring here. Let's it do almost it. feels like Clowney is more of like a dirty work, like rebound and defense type of guy, where Okoroko's game is like more of like a shooter. Like yes. it's like it's like a little bit smoother, it's a little bit cleaner. Like yep. he's gonna get you those dagger sacks in a way where yes. Clowney was just kind of like a wreck shit player. It's yes. a very forced analogy, but just I like watching it. both of them, that's what it feels like the difference yeah. is. He's like a rim running dunker. Yes. That's what Clowney that's what, is. That's now. how Clowney plays. And that <laughs> yes. is not how Okoronkwa plays. And so nope. you're a little bit more bendy, it's a different body type. You're just getting yeah. a different feel out of that secondary yeah. pass rusher than what you've gotten over the last couple of years when Clowney has been that guy. I like this a lot, man. It's these are even if I thought the Tomlinson thing was a little bit of an overpay, I understood the thought process behind it because of what they needed. I I think these are all three just like at least doubles for the Browns. I really, really like this trio of guys they signed. And Delpit started playing much better at the end of last season. You have yep. Thornhill in there to be kind of, again, just a stable force. Their corner group is pretty good. You have a little bit more meat up front. Just the overall starting 11 on defense looks so much different than it did last year. I think in large part just because Dalvin Tomlinson is so much different of a body type and a skill set yes, than what they, they had. had over the last couple of years yeah. where if you when you see him in the grander mix of it, it just feels so much different than the type of team we've been looking at over the last couple seasons. Yeah, they're they're adding a little beef to their speed, and, and yeah. even if Oka Rockwell's undersized, but that, that's what they're doing. They're adding a little more, well, meat and potatoes to some of the frosting they've had there. More AFC North stuff. We haven't talked about this team really at all, um, but they've made a bunch of kind of lower tier, mid tier signings. The Steelers have added a bunch of different pieces. So yeah, they, they bring back Larry Oak and Joby, according to Tom Palacero, three years. $28.75 million, $17 million guaranteed. So definitely like one, two steps down from some of those other bigger defensive tackle deals that we've seen kind of like Tomlinson. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't really have you know much depth or many bodies on the interior of their defensive line. They have like a couple guys that are expected to depart in free agency. So you keep him with Cam Hayward after they signed him last year. Mm-hmm. And then some other things just to kind of like fill out depth on their defense. They That's go sign like. Cole Holcomb from Washington, who has been a useful player in Washington. Like Somebody him. they can just plug and play. They, so yeah. they're, they're clearly getting cheaper at, yeah. at that position. They cut Miles Jack. You know, Devin yeah. Bush not expected to be there. So Holcomb's, again, just a guy you drop in and can play. Feels like yes. Nate Herbig is the same kind of deal at guard. And yep. then they bring in a Landon Roberts. So that what they're doing, it feels like just kind of piecing together some of these starting roles. Patrick yep. Peterson feels like that. Yeah. I have no idea what to make of this team still. Like, they are just a black box to me. I still yeah. don't really understand the Steelers, but this is kind of the area they've been shopping in on defense here over the last week or so. Yeah, they're definitely working the middle aisles, maybe even the lower budget aisles. But I, I this these all made sense. And then with Ogunjobi, I mean, the Steelers' run defense was fantastic last year. I think they're like a top five unit. Look at all the metrics. But, you know, Ogunjobi, Hayward, uh, TJ Watt, and Alex Highsmith, 
Oh man, it's that's a good group. That's that's a good group. That's a good. That's a fearsome foursome right there. Um, and yeah, it made sense. They kind of de-invested or stopped investing in linebacker. It seems like you know with the Miles yeah. Jack trade and all that, they they kind of work. Okay, let's reconfigure where we're putting our resources. And of course, they have the star of stars on the back end with Mika Fitzpatrick. So I think that's and where then they resigned Demonte Casey as well to kind of just be yes. that other safety now that they might lose Terrell Edmonds. So I mean, it's. It's not the most exciting group in the world, but they've yeah. done they've been really successful with groups like that. Even yep. like their cornerback play last year with like Weatherspoon and they the guy the ways they pieced man. it together. They've done a yeah. good job of piecing it together. And that's kind of what yeah. this feels like. Yeah, no, that that's exactly it. Piecing it together. Even the Herbig signing. Like, I understand that. That's a little stab. You might get a, a nice solid guard there for eight million over two years. That I, I that was fine. Like it's just like you said, they're piecing all these parts together. And that's fine when you're doing that in free agency, and then you keep your resources in the draft, and you're able to kind of maybe find more of those splashier star uh, potential players in the draft. That's what they're doing. They're trying to just get on base with these guys, and I think they did a good job with it. I think Holcomb is fine. Like he's there. I don't think there's going to be much drop off, even if he doesn't have the name recognition of the guys that he's replacing. And that that's that's how you win free agency. <laughs> you save money and get the same kind of level of play from the guy. I mean, he was a much, much better player than Jamin Davis when Jamin Davis was drafted in the first round. You got first Cole round. Holcomb like holding down the middle of that defense in Washington when you're just terrified about the play of your first round pick consistently, which again is one of the reasons why investing in a first round pick at off ball linebacker is often a dicey proposition. Couple more running back signings. Miles Davis, Miles Davis, good Lord. Miles Davis. Been, hey, you're in New Orleans. I've been way too much trumpet <laughs> over the last 24 <laughs> hours, apparently. Do we have a Louis Armstrong coming up? <laughs> I, was at, <laughs> I was at a spot last night, and guy just killing it on the trombone. Just, the best just music you'll kill, ever hear just down there. Just killing it. I was like, oh, man, this I love this place. Yes, All right. And just and it's like, how are you not a star? You'll walk, walk by these people playing. It's like, this is the best music I've ever heard. It's like this hole-in-the-wall bar with 30 people in it. <laughs> the beautiful music being played. Miles Sanders there landing go. in Carolina, according to Ian Rapport and Mike Garofoa. Four years, $25 million, $13 million guaranteed. Pretty robust deal for a second yeah. contract for a running back. Deuce Staley is the running back's coach there. A little uh, re- reuniting, a little reunion yes. there for those two yep. guys now in Carolina. What do you think about this as it relates to the broader scope of the Panthers offense and how Miles Sanders fits in Carolina? They needed backs, you know, and that's, I actually thought with how strong or I project how strong their offensive line was going to be, I didn't think they'd have to invest that much. They got so such good play out of Deontay Foreman last year and, and uh, uh, Hubbard that, that I kind of thought, okay, you can find a guy in the middle aisles. You'll find some guy that will just get a job done or a day three pick or something of that sort. So I was surprised that they were the team that made this splash move. Um, Miles Sanders is talented. I do, he was one of my most improved players, not just because of the yardage that he gained this past year, but because of his play style. Uh, he always liked to bounce things. I've talked about this before, but he became a lot more patient as a runner staying in between the tackles. He still is a liability in pass protection. Uh, he is best running out of the shotgun. So he has some limitations. And if I'm splashing some money at a running back, I don't want to really hear about limitations. <laughs> I want my guy to be a true three down guy that can take 20 touches and don't even think twice about it. So I just, I was surprised. I like the player. I like Miles Sanders. I like this fit. Cause I think the offensive lines could be great. So I think he's going to eat. I just was a little surprised, but 
by that they would actually splurge on him because I just didn't think it was necessary. So this this feels like the tier of running backs that is starting to emerge kind of a step down from the big name guys, right? So obviously, yeah. Yeah. you know, we've seen the contracts that McCaffrey got and Alvin yeah. Kamara, Derrick Henry, you know, Nick Chubb is kind of in that same general range in AAV. This is not dissimilar to the deal that James Conner got from the Cardinals last year. James Conner got that a little bit older, I want to say. And Miles yeah. Sanders was getting it, getting yeah. that second Steve, deal. Steve Kimes special. Yeah, I mean, that, that, it was just one of those deals that just like never really made sense. They're keeping together an offense that's like aging and not that great. But uh, he was twenty six. James Conner was twenty six when he signed that deal. Miles Sanders is twenty five. So okay. those two guys signed a very similar contract, and then yeah. this is very similar to the one that David Montgomery signed. So it's kind of like that starting caliber yep. second to third tier running back contract that has started to emerge around the league a little bit. The likes of which we don't see very often. Yeah. No, the, these contracts are, are fairly rare just because if you're going to sign a guy to this sort of deal, it almost feels like you're going one step up in order to sign someone or you're waiting to get somebody in the draft. So there's aren't yeah. that many of these. There's like three or four of them. Yeah, the middle class is really there in running backs. It's either guys that get splurged on, like the, like usually those names you mentioned, CMC and all that, or let's find some new fodder to throw in there. Let's find some new day three pick or some guy for a one-year, two-year deal that's cheap. So, like so this Boston is really Scott. interesting. Okay, so mm-hmm. and by AAV, you have McCaffrey, Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, all of them making at least $12 million by AAV. Uh, okay. Guarantees all over the place. Obviously, the Bengals yeah. don't guarantee anything after the first year. So the guarantees are anywhere from $15 million for those other guys up to $30 million for McCaffrey. Still fairly low considering the overall deals. But yeah. And then you have the three guys on franchise tags after that group. Tony Pollard, yes. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley at $10.1 million. Then – it's a significant step down. There are four or five guys then at like six to seven million dollars. Okay. And that group is James Conner, Miles Sanders, mm-hmm. Naheem mm-hmm. Hines on his old deal that he signed with the Colts, the Austin Eckler deal that he signed in 2020, which was a steal at the time a and steal. It's still a steal. David Montgomery, yeah. Kareem Hunt. Yeah. So then that's that next group. So it feels like yeah. we got the top group, the guys on tags, and then this other kind of second like- tier that has started to emerge a little bit. It's like the aces that play 80% of your snaps, and then it's the guys that are more of that 60-40 split of snaps. Like yep. You still need another back to help carry this load. And so, these but are the thumpers of that group. You know, yeah. I mean, If you wanted to f- describe David Montgomery, he's kind of a thumper, and I think in yeah, that yeah. role big in Detroit, back. that's what he is. Yes. 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 No, big back. Yeah, no. That, it's an interesting set of tiers. See. It is. It yeah. is. I know. I know. Hi- and then Naeem Hines. It's one of those that me and you love him, but- Maybe you shouldn't get that contract. That's a little bit of overpay for him, but it's but it's a, another usual player that's part of a split. Like he's a, he's going to need another guy with him in the running back room. So step one, step down even a little bit further from that, and I guess it makes sense. He's on his third contract, so it's a different sort of consideration. Is Jamal Williams signing yeah. with the Saints three years, twelve million? So it's four million a year with eight million guaranteed. So the first two years essentially of that deal. But I think this is kind of a similar consideration. Like I think that he's probably a little bit less dynamic than some of those guys that we talked about yeah. that are in that second tier of like moderate workhorse running backs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Jamal Williams is, all these guys have uses and that that's what it is. It's almost like you want to compare Jamal Williams with Naheem Hines, even though their run styles are very different. They have uses that in, in certain roles, like depends what happens with Kamara or with Kamara, but it's Jamal Williams and him pair together very, very yes. well. We've always as seen far this. As the, it was yes. Mark Ingram, yeah, and then it was Tavius Murray, and then yeah. now it's just this is the version of it. 
that's it. That's it. This is the next version of it. And it's that type of back. They they take their 12 touches, you know, and they play a lot of valuable snaps for you as pass protection. And then if it's third and one, they're back there and they're they're running down the pipe for you. That's but that's useful. And but that's what it is. That's what that's that's that tier right now is those guys that are maybe with another back and they're kind of that complimentary role. So stay in the running back lane here. Alexander Madison gets two years, seven million with most of that guaranteed reportedly, according to Tom Palacero, to stay with the Vikings. Seems yeah. like this is giving them the option potentially to move on from Dalvin Cook if they want to. What do you think about Madison? Like, like let's say you're throwing three guys out. Jamal Williams, yeah. Madison, Miles Sanders. Do you think this is reasonable money in that sort of framing for a guy like Alexander Madison? No. I think he's a tier below those two. Uh, of Miles Sanders and Williams. I, I think he's just okay. Like when I say the term replacement level, that's how Madison feels to me. Gotcha. He's repl- you're, you're not, he's not a losing player where you're like, this guy shouldn't play, but it's not like he's not winning you games. He's just eating snaps for you. That's what he always felt like to me because he's had so many times to maybe take that role and run with it, pun intended, but he kind of just never did. Like he just doesn't have that something to him that I think is flashy. I think this is a little bit overpaid, but I understand why they did it in case they do move on from Dalvin Cook and having something, some replacement level back as opposed to going like, oh shit, we're playing two rookies and one of them's undrafted. You know, I think that's what they did here. Some more NFC news. Fletcher Cox heading back to the Eagles one year and $10 million. They are also keeping Darius Slay. Our first <laughs> yeah. little rope-a-dope moment of the that free agency period where guys, listen, <laughs> if it's not pen to paper and nothing's been signed, yep. you can still change your mind. You Seems like that's what happened. So Darius yep. Slay heading back to the Eagles. I, I don't know exactly what the financials of that are, but now with Darius Slay coming back, they lost Hargrave, TJ Edwards, and Marcus Epps as starters, but they've brought back James Bradbury, Brandon Graham, Slay, Fletcher Cox. They yep. they have Nicobe Dean potentially waiting in the wings to step in for Edwards. You know, we know that they have some pieces on the defensive line. And they can find a safety somewhere, especially if CJ Garner Jots comes back and they have one of those two guys. This group mostly that we thought would have to just be totally torn down or at least refabricated over the course of the season now is going to come back mostly intact, it feels like. Yeah, which surprised me. I thought I thought one of these corners would be gone. Like I I, if I were a betting man, which I am, and I kind of Hargrave felt like he was gone like he was going to get paid off this deal yeah, and they couldn't afford yeah, him. Course, that one yeah. that one felt inevitable edwards felt like he was gone because somebody would pay for him he had a really good year and somebody would pay for him so those two kind of felt inevitable but all the other ones it was kind of question marks i and i mean getting fletcher cox back man he was wildly productive and his underlying numbers are great for him and get hell yeah go for that and then slay coming back i actually really liked this because they kind of let him test the market because he wanted to raise oh i want the race they're like okay fine Go see if you can find somebody. And he went out there, and then they welcomed him back with open arms. And I think it's a win-win because it's not a bad move for the team to say they did it right. They communicated it with it. They said, hey, go test your waters, see what happens. And they built us some goodwill and said, hey, we're not so bad, are we? <laughs> like, we're not paying you that bad, are we? Like, so come back to Philly. So I don't know. I think this is a win-win for everybody. I'm sure Eagles are stoked because that's another hole they don't have to fill. And I'm sure they'll move some money around like they always do. Speaking of moving always. money around, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you this while you're in the Saints section. So now that these a lot of the dominoes have fallen, a lot of the dust has settled, whatever metaphor you want to use about New yeah. Orleans' building process here. So now you have Derek Carr, mm-hmm. you have Mike Th- Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, the, Juwan Johnson is back. 
you know, they uh, Rashid, uh, Rashid, Rashid Shahid, who was very good for them last year. Yeah, I'm, turning, I'm turning into you. And they have a, a pretty <laughs> solid offensive line, and we know what their defense is. I tweeted out a picture today of what their salary cap looks like. Mm-hmm. And every single guy has a million dollar base salary. Like every every single guy with all the restructures yeah. that they've done. Jamal Williams' cap hit this year is like one point three million, which kills me. I have no interest in talking about whether or not that's a smart team building strategy anymore. I'm, right. I'm I, it, that that bores me at this point. Just for this season, I'm sort of intrigued by the Saints. I don't know if they're going to be good, but yeah. building this version of it the way that they have, I get it. It's like okay. Well, why can't we be like the best team in this division? Certainly, and you look at the NFC and like the quarterbacks in the NFC. Yes, I think it is a objectively risky way to live and exist. And yeah. if you're betting on a cataclysmic event somehow happening that destroys the world and you don't have to worry about it anymore, that I understand that. But and they probably need it at this point. Eventually, somewhere yeah. down the road. But they are mildly intriguing to me as a 2023 built roster. They they are the team that's going. Hey, zero is going to hit on roulette one time. It's going to hit. <laughs> hey, it's just in the odds. It's going to hit, and that's. I think that's what they're doing. The offense is intriguing, especially if Michael Thomas. And this is God. Just pull a I string. Know. How many times have we said this? Like one of us has said this. Like my, if Michael Thomas comes back into somewhat of his final or fully formed Michael Thomas play, really intriguing pass catchers. Uh, like you laid out the offensive line, if they can stay healthy. Is a very talented offensive line. Uh, a lot of guys I like there. McCoy. It is solid at the very least. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ruiz was way improved last year. Um, and I, I've always been a fan of McCoy. He just hasn't stayed healthy. And Ramchek as well. You know, we'll see what happens with Penning. But it's a lot of talent on that offense. Of course, I love Chris Olave. Uh, I love – I think he, we both do. I think he's going to be a star. Um, but it really already is. It's intriguing. It's an intriguing roster, and I understand it. In 2023, let's not even care about 2024 or 2025 or anything that happens. In 2023, it's intriguing. I, I'm very, very interested. I'm very interested in all the NFC South teams, really. Bucks, maybe not, but I'm tr- really interested in the Falcons as well. Really interested in the Panthers as well. It's going to be a fun little kind of, I won't say a fist fight, but slap fight, whatever that, that's called now that the UFC sponsors now. <laughs> that's what it feels like to me. <laughs> Who's going to just slap each other silly? A couple other teams trying to wedge their way into like NFC contender status because there isn't a lot happening at the top of that conference. The Giants signed Paris Campbell, one yeah. year, three million, worthwhile bet. I mean, yeah. this is just one of those teams that we need pass catchers. We need to find a way to support whatever our whatever this, this Daniel Jones laden plan, this Daniel Jones centric plan. How can we surround him with guys in a market where there aren't a lot of available pass catchers? Trading for Darren Waller and signing Paris Campbell on a one-year prove-it deal, I think, is the start of a very solid approach with those spots. Yeah, you can't build a receiving room without starting at the bottom or yeah. starting in the middle. Like you need, you yes, everybody wants the ace and the number one. Even if you got that guy and you drafted the guy, they still needed a two and a three. Hodgins had a nice year, but they still needed a whole room to rebuild. So. This, and they re-signed Sterling Shepard, who was playing Shepherd well last year before yeah. he got yeah. hurt. I mean, there are obviously these guys are massive injury histories with guys like Campbell, Shepard, Waller had struggled, struggled staying healthy last year. But it's not like they're paying big money or overextending themselves for any of these guys. Nope. It's a lot of fairly cheap dice rolls. Let's see if we can piece this thing together with these sort of mild, modest yep. bets that we're making. And it's certainly a different looking and more impressive group than it was yes. a year ago. So I I understand their thinking here. Staying on kind of modest bets at wide receiver, DJ Chark visiting the Panthers. This feels like the type of thing they need. 
This like, is perfect. Yep. This is this is what they need. He's the X receiver of fortune. That's what he is. And and I I'm all about this. So like this is exactly what they competent X receiver for whoever they're gonna pop in at quarterback. And they they need they need pass catchers and he's one and he's a, a very solid one. If you're trying to figure out how can we make sure that we have the requisite amount of pass catching talent to allow our rookie quarterback to function as soon as possible. Yes. DJ Chark is like the perfect outside perfect. receiver to fit into, plan, into a plan like that. He's perfect. He can go vertical. He, he does enough for you. Like he, he's when he was healthy at the end of last year, he was looking really good. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm all about this. Uh, they were kicking the tires probably on Thielen as well. Yep. I'd much rather have Chark in this offense and a little bit of youth. He's still in his mid twenties. Much rather take a bet on this and plop him in there because he's gonna he's gonna help out your receiving room. He'll play winning football for you. Last one here on the receiver train. A little update on the Juju numbers from yesterday. We were a little okay. bit surprised that he got what seemed like the same deal as Jacoby Myers got. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. they want to keep Jacoby Myers? It's three years, twenty five and a half for Juju. That thirty three is it was a little bit inflated. So now maybe makes a little bit more, little more sense. sense compared to why you would want Juju compared to Jacoby Myers, who we think is a better player and just a more dynamic option for them within that offense. So a slight discount may be one of the driving forces there. Taylor Rapp visiting the Patriots on Thursday. You know, this is a team that certainly loves their flexibility in the secondary. And that is something that Taylor Rapp would be able to give them. So, uh, pretty on brand for the types of players that the Patriots chase on defense. <laughs> I know. It's, I, it's uh, Kyle Van Noy has story. He's not a DB, but Kyle Van Noy has story when he went from Detroit to the Patriots. And he said, like, his first practice, Belichick walked up to him and was spinning the whistle. And he just goes, how you doing, Kyle? And he's like, he's a like, good coach. How you doing? He's like, I always get my guys. And that, that's what this feels like. Like, this is like a Belichick guy that, like, he's kind of going after. <laughs> like, this is exactly the type of player that he likes. <laughs> All right, I think that's mostly all we've got. You know, we've got a couple smaller ones. The Patriots signed James Robinson, which was as a uh, Ramondre Stevenson dynasty owner makes me a little bit sad. But the fact that they're not <laughs> going out and getting any like big number two guy, I think, is probably fine. The Lions signed Graham Glasgow, according to Adam yeah. Schefter, one year up to four and a half million. They they just need a guard. Like yep. they're going to move on that's from Vitae, which it feels like they're going yes. to. They just yeah. need to and find Skipper's an answer at guard. Yep. Been, yep. That was the biggest issue that they had for most of last season. Isaiah Oliver signs with the Niners on a like two-year a deal. Explain why. He's a nickel. He's been he really came into his own. He's battled some injuries the last couple of years. My two-time Kirkland brand nomination at the quarter position. Uh but he's was much better moved to the slot. I, I think he's just a do-it-all aggressive player. Um I even have a fun little stat. There are 204 DBs last year played 300 more snaps. He played like 350, Isaiah Oliver did. He was second in snaps per splash play. Splash plays being like TFLs, run stops, um, PBUs, interceptions, forced fumbles, whatever you want to say. Um, He was just above Jalen Ramsey, Avante Maddox, and Mika Fitzpatrick. Eighth was Jimmy Ward, and that's that that statistic. They needed a slot. Perfect. I mean, this defense is really, really cool, I think, with especially their DB room with Hifanga, Gibson, Javarius Ward. I'm a big fan of Lenore. And it's cool that he could play nickel. He had some snaps at nickel, and they liked him better on the outside, and which I think is really cool as well. So, God, this defense is going to be awesome again. I really do think it. Even losing, even losing D'Amico Ryan, it's this going to be a really cool defense. And I, I like this. I thought this was a really nice signing. The, the Niners are one of those teams, especially in the secondary, when when they make a move, it's like, ooh, ooh I why? wonder why. Yeah, why? 
Like, yeah, what do, what do they see? Like, why are they piecing it together? Because they've been able to do that. I mean, like, going to getting Traverius Ward and some of the guys that they've signed in veteran yes. free agency to fill holes for them. Like, even, like, what they got out of Tayshawn Gibson last year and him yeah. coming back. They've just done such a good job of squeezing everything they can on some of these value signings in the secondary. And, you know, we'll see. Obviously, this is – they're turning a new page with Steve yep. Wilkes coming in there. And, you know, this is the first time where they haven't handed it off to somebody in-house or had somebody yep. that was a part of that group that really built it from Salah to D'Amico Ryans. And, you know, it's – them maintaining what they've been defensively is going to be maybe more of a challenge than people might think just because, again, mm. it's an outside hire. You're losing some continuity. So we'll see what happens. But they're a team that has done very, very good at kind of plugging these holes on defense over the last couple of years. Yeah, and even with Wilkes, if he wants to be aggressive, like this is a perfect type of slot. You know, uh, uh, this is what you know with Atlanta being pretty aggressive. It wasn't a great defense, but Dean Peace being being Dean Peace and bringing all those blitzes, like he he liked Oliver because he was like, I I can get this guy going. I blitzed him probably a couple dozen times, but it was like yeah, that's where he fits if Wilkes wants to be more aggressive, like he's shown Carolina a little bit um, after Snow moved on last year, or they fired Snow. I should say Phil Snow. Really, some of the bigger dominoes that still have to fall. Still waiting on Dalton Schultz to see yeah. what he's going to do and how that might affect you know some of the other free agent tight ends who might be available. Still waiting on C.J. Gardner-Johnson, which we alluded to a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the Odell Beckham question is a big looming question. Bobby Wagner, if we're sticking on some of those legacy guys who are mm-hmm. available right now. Isaac Salomalu. Salamalo has not signed anywhere yet, so he's kind of the last interior free agent offensive lineman to keep an eye on. But a lot of these dominoes have already – and then Dalton Reisner as well. So I think they're probably kind of waiting for you know the other person's market to kind of shake out. Really, the only guard who is signed is, is Ben Powers like up there and those – the best available guards and the kind of starting caliber guards who are available. But other yeah. than that, man, again, a lot of this stuff has fallen into place. So yeah. we will spend keep some it, time over the next – Keep an eye on my guy, Yash. That's another one. And that is absolutely I'm interested. One. I'm just interested because I'm curious who's doing their homework. That, so I'm ser- curious if he has any market. I have no idea. But it was just really, really, it'll be really interesting just for me because that's the stuff that gets me excited. That gets me going in the fourth quarter of free agency week. It's <laughs> seeing the the market for a restricted free agent for an offensive tackle at the second round tender. That's what gets me going. So we will – have some more into out coming out of the weekend uh, either coming to you guys first thing monday morning or early at some point on monday just looking back at the week that was so please be on the lookout for that tomorrow mike sando and randy mueller are going to be doing the football gm on friday i am out so those guys are taking over for us we're handing off the free agency recap baton to them i'm sure you'll get randy's thoughts on a lot of some of the bigger deal signings that have happened you know these guys really haven't recorded since free agency began so excited for them to be able to share their thoughts on that so please come back and check out mike and randy tomorrow taking over for us in the meantime we sincerely appreciate you guys listening if you have not please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice you can do that on Apple Podcasts, leave us a message. Let us know why you love the show. We would sincerely appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We cracked 10,000 subscribers Ooh. to the YouTube channel this week, which okay. is very exciting as we started yeah. from a, a a pretty pretty low starting point when the season I began. I think it was just so, our families that followed. That, that was it. That, so, that was it. Uh, yeah, one our, stack of high society. We hit 10,000. So, so it's great. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, thank you guys very much uh, for all the support. Yes. Um, we're excited for all the stuff that we're going to be doing on video here over the next couple months. So uh, please come back and continue to check that out. For now, that is all we got. Please come back and check out Randy and Mike tomorrow. Appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was the Athletic Football Show.